Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the Iffy Market Podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. We're the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy. Good morning, Carla Joe Helms. Good morning. Hi, guys. And uh, today we'll be talking with Yoram Solomon or Dr. Yoram Solomon about trust. Uh, Dr. Yoram Solomon is a trust researcher, a keynote speaker, and the author of the Book of Trust and uh, 13 other books as well. He served at the Israeli Defense Forces 35th Airborne, where he learned firsthand, uh, I, I would guess, how important trust is there, Yoram. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. So how do you get into being an expert on trust? I wouldn't have never guessed that's even a thing, but I love it. Well, that's uh, 30 years ago, I worked as an engineer. If you would have told me that 30 years later, I'll be talking about trust, I would think you were crazy. But uh, what happened was I was working on my PhD dissertation. Well, actually coming up with the topic and I'm trying to come up with the topic and my mentor keeps shooting every idea that I had down. And at some point, uh, he asked me one of the most pivotal questions in my life. I, I urge you to use that question. He asked me, what pisses you off? And I thought, Ooh, good question. I love and that. I thought, well, about what, what was he asking? We're that trying to in, come in up with a topic to? for my doctoral dissertation, my doctoral research. And, and I keep oh, on throwing okay. ideas and he keeps on shooting them down. And so then he asked what pisses you off. And I wanted to say, well, you yeah. are trying to come up with the topic <laughs> and you won't let me, but the words that yeah. came out of my mouth were, why are people so much more creative when they work in small startups than when they work in large, mature companies. Mm. There was silence on the other side of the line. And after a few seconds, he said, I think we have a topic. So I spent the next two years globally, US, Canada, China, Europe, Israel, to, to get the answer. And, and I found that I can actually, even though I put it in 348 uh, pages, I found that I can describe it in two words, innovation, culture. And so here I am after the dissertation, sitting down with a customer, I'm trying to understand their elements of culture. And uh, at that point, my seventh book, Culture Starts With You, Not Your Boss, was already at the editors. So almost done. And this is like third round of editing. And I'm sitting with the client and the client, after a while, after 20 minutes of me asking questions, them answering, it hits me they will never have all of those components of a culture of innovation because they're lacking the foundation. The foundation is trust. And so what I did was I actually added a six page chapter to that book called trust. So if you read that book, culture starts with you, not your boss, that would be the only chapter that would probably have typos or grammatical errors <laughs> because that chapter never went through the editors. That was the first time I wrote about trust. You just like glued it in at the last minute. Yeah, yeah. It's like not even sure I followed the uh, chapter numbering scheme, but uh, that was the first time I wrote about trust. And ever since then, I started researching and studying and understanding trust. I read everything everybody ever wrote about trust. Wow. Uh, but but I did a lot of research myself. I mean, I went back. I went back in time to to see even how the definition of trust has evolved to come up with my own definition. So what is the derivation of the word trust? I have no idea. Now that you talk about the history, yeah. you have no idea. Okay. <laughs> to me, trust is this. Trust is your willingness to accept the positive, the possible negative consequences of giving control over something you have to another person. I know it sounds kind of weird, but think about it. You're giving control over 
Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your brand. Maybe it's mm-hmm. your uh, maybe it's your life. In in serving in the uh, Israeli Defense Forces, 35th Airborne, you trust people standing next to you with your life. I mean, this is not figuratively speaking. Uh, and it is how much are you willing to accept the negative consequences that are the result of that handing over control? That's how much you trust them. And that's to me what trust is. It's interesting. It seems like it has to be, I mean, obviously you have to earn somebody's trust, but it's almost saying, I, I believe I don't need all this other infrastructure in place in order to know that there's accountability. It's like the accountability is on a personal level, kind of, whereas maybe a large company, you have to have all these mechanisms in place so people know the other person's gonna do their job and then there's all the finger pointing. And, all, and then you get a small startup and it's like, we were roommates, man. We, we, did, you know, we did all this stupid stuff together. So now, like, I know you're not gonna do something to screw me and you're gonna be actually working and, but it also places a great amount of responsibility on the person that is trusting, which is actually really good. Yeah. It, you know, I, I did, I did look up the origin of the word. You guys want to know what, what it is? is it? it comes from an, it comes from an old Norse word, you know, the Vikings, right. That meant strong. Mm. So if you're going to trust something, <laughs> you better be strong about that trust. It's not just the other side that has to be strong. You have to Did be you look up the too. part on a bridge? There's the thing on the bridge that holds it together, I think. Is that what it's referring to? <laughs> well, you know. And, and by the way, there, there is it goes both th- ways. There is an interesting relationship between trust and trustworthiness. I mean, we typically think of the yes. relationship as if you are trustworthy, then I will trust you. But, but you know, I'm going to give you an example that uh, I give typically when I, I do my workshops. I ask people, you know, so do you have kids, by the way? No, no. my, my okay. staff are my kids. So I have 20 kids. <laughs> so you know what kids look like? Do I know what they look yes. like? Yes, I yeah. see them every day. Okay, good. <laughs> So here's what happens. They, they, they reach the age of one, and this is when they lift themselves from the floor and they realize that they can stand. After they realize they can stand, the next thing is they realize they can walk. And after they realize they can walk, they realize that they can talk. Run. Oh, run. run. Yeah. <laughs> so but you don't have kids. I don't run. Carla Joe. Run into uh, things. So yeah, run away from you. <laughs> What's the first thing that happens to them the first time that they run? Yeah, I'd say they fall down. They fall down. And what's the first thing that they do when they fall? They cry. No, they don't. What do they do? See, that's what people think. (laughs) They 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 do. They cry. They don't. The first thing that they do, Carla Joe, is they turn around and they They look look at at you you to let let them know it's okay. Because they need to know if that was terrible and and if you go, Then okay, that's so very true. The parents that are actually kick ass that don't react to that, the kids don't react. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if the parent goes, get up, keep going, then she gets up and she keeps going. And because apparently it wasn't that bad. And the thing is the trust and trustworthiness work the the same way. So just like if you're trustworthy, I will trust you. The other way around works too. If I trust you and if I show you and I demonstrate to you that I trust you, you will behave in a trustworthy way because otherwise, you know, your brain is going to melt because, you know, he's trusting me and and I'm still behaving in an untrustworthy way. So you start with trust to have the other person increase their trustworthiness too. 
This is almost like the non-victim book. <laughs> the book yeah. of trust, oh. aka the non-victim book. I would, yeah. I'm not going to be, I'm going to trust. I would guess right? in a business, if people don't trust each other, then now yeah, you get, you get pointing, you get, oh, this person did this to me. This person did that. Blame, shame, I, regret. I got to do, blah, blah. I got to screw them before they screw me type attitude. And, and then, yeah, no wonder it doesn't, it doesn't work. You don't have that, that trusting culture. Let's bring this over to business a, a little, like, start applying it because we only have so much time and there's a lot to cover things like trust exercises. When companies do those, obviously they know, okay, trust's important. We're going to go to the park and fall into each other's arms and stuff like that. Is there anything like that, that actually works to help people develop a bond short of just going to war together? Well, actually it's interesting that you brought this up. The, the first thing is uh, to me, when I broke when I started working on trust, I started building that model of trust. And the funny thing is that model that I created when I wrote this six page chapter back in 2017 and, and just slapped it together into the book, the same six components are the six components I still talk about today. Just they have evolved. I know a lot more about them. I've tested a lot more about them. Part of it is, is what I would call kind of your brain. And this is how competent you are. Uh, how much do we share value, which brings another interesting perspective. And that is the trust is relative. You know, you, you like to think of someone, this person is trustworthy, this person is not, but but it's not true because you see, I trust Carla Joe. I, I, I have a lot in common with Carla Joe. We're both originally from Texas, even though she doesn't admit to that. Sky, I, I, I do do not say that. <laughs> <laughs> but Sky, I, do. I, I don't know you very much. So mm. trust is relative. I, I have more in common with her than I have with you. And that's, that's just an example. And then the last one is the fairness and symmetry of our relationship. But there is another part to it, and that is every interaction can build or kill trust. And part of that is how much time do we spend together? How frequently do we meet? And how intimate do we get? And before anybody starts rating this show, when I say intimate, I mean, do we text each other? email each other, speak, you can hear my voice and you can see if I'm sincere or not. Can you see my face, my body language? Because the consistency of my body language, facial expression, tone of voice, and the words that I actually use is very important for you to determine subconsciously if I'm trustworthy or not. Yes, there are levels above that. There are exercises you can go through. I mean, playing golf is not it. Uh, falling back and seeing if you catch me. I, I don't know that I will all of a sudden trust you because you caught me. I mean, you but you can We're talking about real communication, having real communication, frequent with people in person, yeah. like in an office, not on Zoom, although Zoom's better than the phone. You have the faces, I guess, there, but what? When it comes uh, to falling back in the park, you do get to find the sociopaths in the group that drop somebody on purpose as a joke, though. So that's a good <laughs> it's not a, yeah. so much a trust exercise as to identify who the evil people are. <laughs> yeah, but they, they never did that to me. Um, but that's because I first make sure that they realize what my military background is. Ah, and then so, suddenly, but, yeah. you know, when you talk about face to face, it's funny because right now we're in a pandemic. I would rather see you like this in Zoom and see your facial expressions than see you in person like this. Oh, yeah. Interesting. But that and that's over. a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. So the trust in businesses, um, obviously, it's important in the office to have this. But 
not only like this episode, I actually want to focus not, not as much on the trust within people within the office, but how can a company that needs to be trusted by its potential clients build trust? Like how, when you're trying to market your product, if you're starting from zero, how do you, other than saying, trust me, which usually has the opposite effect, how can a company develop trust within a marketplace? Again, also other than just over time, like how can you accelerate the process of, of becoming trusted? Yeah, well, it, it's funny. It's it's not just that you say, trust me, it's something else. I look at commercials. I've, I've been researching trust for so long that every time anybody on TV, anywhere, uses the word trust, my wife and my daughters, they immediately look at them and it's like, daddy, he said trust. <laughs> you know, in advertisements, they just go, trusted since 1986. Says who? Who yeah. says that you're a trust? Well, I didn't you're- say that. Your family thinks you get paid every time somebody says the word trust. That's why they're saying that. They're like, you own that word, dad. So actually I do. I, we're I getting do paid, get paid, right? <laughs> you, and the more you say it, the more oh, I will no. get paid and oh, you will no. get the, uh, but here's the thing. So I, I started with trust between people in the organizational setting. And I found those six components, the, compo- the competence, shared values, fairness, and symmetry. And on the dynamic side, the uh, time, the intimacy and the positivity or what I call the BS and self-centrism. So then I said, okay, but, but does that apply to personal relationship? Every single component, every single component. And then I asked, but wait, how about trusting an organization, trusting a brand? And it comes down to exactly the six components. And what are the six points? So, uh, well, that would be the other $10,000 we talked about. uh, (laughs) So back to those six components, The, the brand part, competence. So you have a business. Is your business, do I perceive your business as being competent in what you do? And in one of the books, uh, you know, I I have a series of mini books uh, that are the application of all the concepts in the book of trust. So this is in case you don't want to read 355 pages in the book of trust, but you just want to know how it applies to your specific business. So I have four of those so far. This one, the last one that just came out last week is called 60 plus one habits that will make that will help you build trust and be a trusted project manager. So This is the application of those six components. What are the six components? Again, if I talk about the brand, the competence, the first book in this series was actually about salespeople. And so how do you know that a salesperson is competent? Hmm. How much they know, how much that, uh, you know, maybe they- How well they listen. How well, well, how well they listen, I would put more in the interaction part of it. In Mm. the, uh, you know, I talked about the positivity and the positivity of the interaction is made of two things. Part of it is how much BS do you bring into the interaction? So, you know, do you say what you mean? And, And I can tell. Especially and when, when how most we people doing can on tell that? too. Like <laughs> most people, salespeople get trained, and when they're early on, the problem with the training is when they're talking to somebody, that person can just hear the training. They can yeah. hear the gears going into the oh, now I need to say this, and now I need to say this. And you're That's like, right. it really kills the trust when you're not being a casual con- I always tell her, like, we're not gonna give you lines to say, we're not gonna give you anything, we're gonna give you a structure of conversation so that you have to talk as yourself. Otherwise, and I never thought of it as a trust thing, but yeah, if they know you're going through a skip script, they're not talking to a person. They're talking to a script. You're no longer human. Why would they trust you? Um, 
I feel and like the I- funny, the funny part is in that book that, that I mentioned, the 50 plus one habits that will make you a trustworthy salesperson. One of those habits, great job, Sky, is don't read off a script. Nailed it. All right. Yes. <laughs> I just I got to get 49 Good more. Good job, Sky. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, that will be a discount for you now. But, uh, you know, if I, if I go back to, uh, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned, do I listen? Do, do they listen? So, uh, there was a study that was done in 2013, I think, that found that uh, over the last 51 years, the level of self-centrism in the world increased by 12% in 78 countries. All those selfies. Yeah, well, it's not the selfies as it is, uh, I'm, I behave like the world revolves around me for lack of better yeah. word. Yeah, yeah. But wow. you know what? You're, you're thinking 12%, maybe 12% is not that much. In That's huge. English-speaking countries... That number is 69%, 69%. So, you know, if if I think that the world revolves around me, guess what? I'm speaking more than I'm listening. Hmm. I blame uh, Ayn Rand for that one. So (laughs) people can send their hate mail to Carla Joe on that. Um, I I see in marketing, I think uh, account-based marketing is a big thing in the last handful of years. And it seems that that is a technique that, kind of hijacks some of the mechanisms of trust in that um, you're in front of these people all the time. And that's one of the things you mentioned, I think, is just presence. Like if they only see you every once in a while and you're a commodity, a brand that really needs trust to get purchased, then they need to see you all the time. Just seeing you and knowing you're present all the time kind of makes you this known presence. Yeah, I keep seeing the brand and yet they haven't done anything terrible yet. They must be good. They must be cool. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, sometimes it's uh, one of the people I interviewed for the Book of Trust is a friend of mine and one of the leading divorce attorneys from Israel. And first of all, that I found that everything, every relationship, every marriage that falls apart, my wife and I just celebrated 28 years last, uh, last week. Congratulations. Thank you. Which uh, we attribute to none of us has time to, to find a divorce, divorce mm-hmm. attorney. But uh, the, uh, when, okay, you now it's saying, but uh, the, when we talked about breakdown in marriages, first of all, the number one reason is trust, lack of trust. But uh, one of the interesting questions is then why do people stay together for so long? And a big part of it is the devil, you know, you know, the more someone is in front of you and you keep seeing them over and over and over again, whether you like it or not, whether everything else says the opposite, you trust them more. And I guess that works with companies too, in that once you have a client, um, it's they may know that you, you know, can you, you mess up here and there, you're not the best. But if they're going to go out in the open marketplace and try to find another company and hope that you aren't actually the best out there, they're going to end up with something worse or have to search for a long time to find something that's just the same. You know, I mean, it's, it's like the abused wife syndrome. But like, yeah. why would I leave? All guys are like this. So, you know, I already know what this guy's going to do. And, and part of it, uh, you know, part of the positivity or the BS in, in an interaction is, uh, is this company a company that's willing to say, that was my fault, that was our fault, and we're gonna take responsibility. And you know, people, 
use this phrase so easily. I'm I'm taking responsibility. What does it mean to take responsibility? Right. Well, like, what are they doing? To, you can say it. Yeah. What I'm, are you doing? Right. I take full responsibility. Okay, good. How? How are you going to do that? Exactly. Show me how yeah. this is going to be painful for you. <laughs> but yes. th- just the ability to say I was wrong. And by the way, there is an advanced version of I was wrong. And that is I was wrong and you were right. So and I, I would go even that. one step farther. I was wrong and you were right. And this is what I'm going to do. Like, <laughs> like yeah. something's going to happen now. There's great power in saying that you're wrong. That's There's right. great power in that. Yeah, that's right. And say that I was wrong to say that this is my fault. This was my, this was not your fault. Uh, part of, um, you know, I, I talk about a lot of habits that can help build trust. And one of them is to own your side of miscommunications. I mean, what is communications? Communication is there's a message that's forming in my head that needs to end up in your head. But how does that happen? So it goes through my mouth. Did, you, did it ever happen to you that what the words that came out of your mouth were completely different than what started in your head? I, yeah. I know that it happens to me. And then there is all kinds of noise uh, that makes you hear one thing when I said something else. And then all of your perceptions and uh, misconceptions or whatever, what ends up in your head, in your brain is different than what started in mine. You take now it in a way. In relationships a lot, like you hear a tone of voice that wasn't the tone it was actually said in. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Which, by the yeah. way, is so much easier to do when the communication is written communication. Oh, you yeah. know. Uh, I, I, one of the examples I give in my workshops is I write the words, no, thank you. And I ask someone to read, what does it mean? No, thank you. And the first person reads it and says, no, thank you. So it's like, you're offering me something and I say, no, thank you. Uh, then I go, uh, I make the word no capitals and exclamation mark. No, thank you. This is like, I'm, you're yelling at me. Yeah. I'm yelling at you. And then and all caps. Think about this, Carla Joe. Let's see if that works. We're doing this live without trying okay, it first. Let's do it. How about if it says no, comma, think, and the word you is capitalized? What does that mean? That means no, but I really appreciate that you asked me that. You know, that's, yeah. It's almost like great. they said thank you, and I was like, no, thank you. There you go. <laughs> no, thank you. So look at how the the meaning had changed with what did I do? Punctuation marks, capitalization, and so on. It is so much easier to misread something that was written than when you look at me. I mean, what are the odds that you're not going to get that what I said is no, thank you, or no, thank you, or no, thank you. So everyone that's listening that's ever been in a relationship knows about the multiple times they've had texts where maybe... There was some little spat they had, and then some text was sent a day later, and it is not taken the way it was written. And I, I remember I had a relationship, and I should have known it wasn't going to go anywhere when I was younger, and texts were just starting up and sending a message, and it just gets read in like the intention is the worst. If you put a smiley face at the end, it's seen as an evil in your face, smiley face. It's not seen like there's no way of saying, if you explain how I mean this in the nicest way possible, I'm not being sarcastic. I really think blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry. is seen as I'm sorry. Like everything is taken <laughs> the wrong way in text. It's text is the worst. And think about it. I, I'm going to circle back to your question. All of those things are things that companies do. 
And those are things that make people believe certain things about the company. So when, when you're worried about your brand, think about, are you conveying competence? Think about, are you sharing values? And, and here's the thing, you know, from the uh, two minutes before this uh, call uh, that I spoke with Carla Joe and with you, Sky, I can see that you're two different people. And there are things that I might do that Carla Joe would say, oh, he's He's, he and I are thinking the same way, and you, Sky, are going to go, I don't like this guy anymore. We shouldn't have invited him. Started so out okay, Yorm. Started out okay, but now... Huh? I know. Let's, I don't let's, know. <laughs> okay, let's restart the... the Move it but, on. Move it on. There's that, and there's the symmetry of the relationship, and, and there are elements that you can do, uh, believe it or not, to affect the symmetry in the relationship. Uh, some salespeople and some marketing campaigns come across as very arrogant. We know what we're doing and you don't. Uh, and that hurts that symmetry and hurts trust. And then there are, how do you interact? You know, do you interact frequently as we talked about before? Do you interact intimately? So more visual, more ability to see that you're sincere in what you're saying versus just text. Hmm. That's a tough one for marketing because you're kind of limited in your interaction as a company though, when you're reaching out to people. I mean, you can do, there's many different mediums, but most of them are text-based these days. Um, there's a lot of video. So I guess one of the things you seem to be saying is as a company, if you need to be, build trust, put out more video. 100% right. Yes. You can't do a Super Bowl commercial, but there's a thing called YouTube. You probably have a website. There's a lot of ways to put video out there. Well, just all types of content because people digest it very differently. Different people digest videos differently than yeah, some people like to read. Some people like the, you know, social media. But, you know, it, it's, it's also the content. It is, if I go back to the positivity and, and the self-centrism, the world revolves around me. Uh, you know, right now we're, we're going through an election period in Plano, city election, local election. And I can see candidates when they have to present themselves, they talk about me, 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 me. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. I'm so smart. I'm so pretty. I'm so, I don't know what. Well, they actually don't run on pretty. Maybe we can change political marketing with your book. That's right. How about, how about if when you want to talk to me, how about if you talk about me? What is it that you care about? You care about this and you care about that and, and not about me and what I've done. Interesting. Yeah, okay. It's true. Yeah. So instead of I, saying I I, I do this, say you care about this and you don't even necessarily have to say it. You're kind of implying that like I know this is important to you. I know that's important to you speaking about the person, companies can do that in their marketing as well. Yeah. You know, when I ran and, and I did uh, got, get elected to an office uh, in 2015, I did a four-year term and then did not run for re-election because the business was really growing. Uh, there was, people asked me to pledge certain things. And I said, look, I'm, I'm going to give you my four values. And this goes back into, it's very important to state your values than talk about very, very specific items or actions you're going to take or not going to take. And so when I talked about my values, I said one of the values that I had was that I will never, ever forget that I was not appointed by the Texas Association of School Boards. I was not invited by the rest of the school boards to join. And I was not appointed by the Texas Education Agency. I was elected by 3,797 uh, 3, people who checked my name on the ballot. And I will never forget that you are the ones who put me here. That's a different perspective than, you know, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I'm so smart. Right. It's a very different perspective. I'm sure it would get a lot more um, 
support. Well, right? he got me elected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's as well, far. You know, MVP, yeah, that's true. There you go. There you go. So we've been talking about trust here. We've got Yoram or Dr. Yoram Solomon on. He wrote the book on trust or what's it called? The book of trust or the book trust? of trust, the book of trust. Yeah, come on. And uh, just like it says right here, yep, the book of trust there. Uh, we're going to come back in just a minute. We'll be talking more about trust and dig into some of the um, maybe the components of trust and the laws of trust and how marketers can can apply and use these to their benefit. So you listen to the yes. Market Podcast. we got Dr. Yoram Solomon, Carla Jo Helms and myself, and we'll be right back. All right. If your agency is on the revenue roller coaster and reliant on inbound leads, word of mouth or referrals and need a more predictable lead flow, contact us at christianbinock.com and we can show you how to land six and seven figure opportunities predictably. Welcome back to the If You Market Podcast. I've got Yoram Solomon, Dr. Yoram Solomon here. I've always got to say it twice. And uh, we're talking about trust. We're going to be talking about the eight laws of trust, how it applies to your marketing. Carla Jo Helms, co-host. Hoorah. Hello, hello. Before we we get to the eight laws of trust, uh, Yoram, can, can we get into you a little bit? Where you come from, how you got to where you're at? We've heard a little bit about, it's just kind of dusted into the story here, but can you tell us a little more? You know about, you're from Israel. Yeah, a little more about your company and your background. Yes, yes. Uh, it was a... Uh... It was a pretty rainy Friday afternoon when I was born. I was afraid you were going to say conceived, like we're going back too far here. Come on. Yeah, no, that part I don't remember. But uh, yeah, so uh, I did start in Israel. And uh, of course, uh, when um, in 1998 is when uh, my wife and I decided we're going to move to the U.S., uh, there was a tiny little startup. I had just closed the startup in Israel that did not reach what I wanted it to reach. And so I decided to shut it down. I've shut it down and got on a plane and landed in San Francisco uh, in a tiny little company. Uh, and back in 98, this is late 98, started 99. Uh, it was a wireless design center. The FCC had just allowed the use of spectrum for something very unique uh, that's now can be used for civilian applications. It was used only for military application. I used it before. And uh, there were two standards that were being developed. And this company, you know, didn't care much for it. And I said, these are two standards that we need to bet on. And so we really turned around. I mean, this was a tiny little company. We turned it around to focus on two standards, two new wireless standards. I don't know if you you're ever heard of them. One of them is called Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. And the other is called Wi-Fi. Huh, so I, interesting. No, not so, familiar, but go on. Yes, that's uh, well, uh, that would explain the quality of the video. <laughs> but <laughs> so I worked on these standards. It was it was really amazing to be there on the early days to actually even coin the name Wi-Fi because it wasn't called Wi-Fi initially. So I joined that tiny little company. And uh, uh, in about a year and a half, I sold it. Uh, I was uh, one of the leaders at the company and, and sold it right before the market crashed. Sold it to another company, to a public company, grew in that company. Uh, one day got an offer from Texas Instruments, still in California. So I joined them. My wife asked if we we're going to have to move to Texas. And I said, no, that's not going to happen. And she said, but <laughs> what if they will offer you to be a general manager and move to Texas? I said, that's not, nobody knows me there in Texas. A year and a half later, they offered me to run a $100 million business unit 
but moved to Texas. So we moved to Texas. That was and you're still hearing dream. it from it from your wife, right? You're still hearing about it from your wife. Yeah, oh yeah, she doesn't, you talk about she doesn't trust. believe anything. Every yeah, time you say trust me, that won't happen. She's like, remember Texas? That's where we're at. <laughs> she does. <laughs> I mean, you're laughing, but she does. She keeps saying that. Yeah, you said we're not gonna move to Texas, too. Mm. <laughs> and you know, it was always everything I did was all around innovation. And I got really curious about first the process of creativity, of the neuroscientific process of how ideas get generated in our brain. And I researched that. And then I realized it's not enough to have ideas. I was helping companies get ideas. And, and it was one of the first companies. I mean, I was working for a company and, and then another company reached out to me, a pretty large $1.7 billion company reached out to me and said, hey, can, we heard that you're an innovation guru. Already a good start uh -huh. for a conversation. Already. And so can you help us put together this workshop? And, and I said, sure, I can. And, and, you know, we work out the details and then they go and ask me, so how much do you charge? And I'm like, well, I never thought of that. I never <laughs> thought of doing this. And so, you know, talk about the disconnect between brain and mouth. I had a number in my brain. Mouth <laughs> said a number that was twice as much. And they said, okay, are you available that date? And the thought that goes through my brain is, they didn't say anything about the price. Yeah. And we keep on talking and I keep thinking, you know, I'm answering their question, but I'll keep thinking. They're not saying anything about the price. So they did pay it. About a year later, another company reached out to me and now we're talking about innovation culture. They wanted me to uh, give a, a workshop on innovation culture for their top management. And uh, that was ha, that was in Florida, Carla Joe. <laughs> and so, but in Destin, nice. so you my know, my states are winning out this this podcast. Yeah, so Destin, the the top of, over there. But uh, so they asked me how much would you charge for this, and I'm thinking, oh, I already know what the price is. But by the time it goes from my brain to my mouth, the number doubles. And I told them, and they they're like, but are you available on that date? And the thought through my head is. They didn't say anything about the price. Yeah. Every salesperson is saying like, if they don't push back, you're way below market value. <laughs> well, yes. bottom line is when I looked at the feedback that I got from those events, I was like, you know what, this is, I'm, I'm doing something that's, that's helping, that, that's helping them. And, and I can start seeing the effects. I remember one of the workshops, uh, it was a defense contractor, even bigger than that company. And uh, six months after I did that workshop for them, I was copied on an email. This was one of the nicest testimonials I've ever gotten. I was copied on an email when one person who attended that event said, you know what? Our group was the worst performing group in the company. We are now in the top 10%. And the only thing I can link this to is to that one day workshop. Wow. wow. I'm, I'm going, you know what? I'm, I'm on to something. Mm -hmm. When I turned 50, I was still working for another company as a vice president of corporate strategy, a public technology company. And I thought, uh, you know, when you're 50, which you're going to get there one day, mm. you wake <laughs> up in the morning and you go, um, so what do I do in retirement? And I realized, what, what am I enjoying to do? I like read, uh, writing. I like talking. I like facilitating. I like learning. Why don't I do that full time? And that's really how it started. So it really started in 05 unofficially, but officially in October of 2015, I just dropped everything and I said, I'm doing this full time. Nice. One of the things you mentioned there, you mentioned testimonials. Yes. And it seems like when we're getting back to the trust thing, I mean, how important are testimonials for companies in that aspect? People have them all and you're like, well, 
what's the point? Is it just there? You know, nine out of 10 dentists prefers blah, blah, blah. And you have the companies and the person saying nice things about interacting with you. How important are, are those things? Well, uh, since you were about to ask me about the eight laws of trust, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> law number five is the trust is transferable. So the, I, I tell people, I ask them, uh, did your parents tell you when you were young never to go into a car with a stranger? And everybody says, yes. So why do you yeah. do that? And they go, well, we don't. I said, yes, you do. You do it on Uber. Why do you do it on Uber? You do it on Uber because you trust the 973 riders that rode with that driver and gave that driver 4.8 ranking and you trust uber for have done their homework and and background check on that driver trust is transferable if i trust you and you trust carla joe i don't know carla joe this is the first time I've, i met her but i trust you enough and you tell me that you trust her i'm not going to trust her as much as you do or as much as i trust you but more than nothing so trust right. is transferable. Those right. reviews play a critical role. And then I guess how close they are to the reviewer. If the reviewer is like a faceless, nameless person, then maybe not, not so much trust there. Maybe it yeah. even hurts you a little bit. <laughs> and and that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly what you do when you get a Facebook friend request. Hmm. What do you do? First of all, you look oh, yeah. at uh, how many friends we have in common. Oh, we have yep. 237. <laughs> okay. Who are they? Who and are I go they? And I, yeah. I look at those first three and I'm like, okay, if those Whoa. first three are, I'm not sure I want to be friends <laughs> with this person. I mean, I can immediately tell you if this person is a Democrat, a Republican, a member of NSA, a uh, technical person, I, I can tell you a lot about this person without knowing anything, just by knowing who we have in common. And so whether you I have, trust them or not. You have guilty by association and trust by association are kind of both uh, interchangeable there, depending on who the association's with. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So then we jump straight to number five. What about the other? And we don't have to go through every single one of them here. The show notes will have the info. People can go find them. you got books, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we've got eight laws of trust. What are some other key things in there? Well, one of them is that trust is contextual. So, you know, when I ask you, do you trust Carla Joe? So let me ask you, Scott, do you trust her? Do I have to answer? Is this a test? Uh, you can always edit it after the fact. Yes, I trust. It's going Carla to Joe. go. Do you trust her? Well, I don't trust her. <laughs> but yes. Uh, so <laughs> you trust her. Uh, do you trust her to fly an airplane that you're sitting in? Okay. I was going to say, what's the two though? Trust her to trust what? her to do okay. what? Exactly. Perfect. So it's Perfect. contextual. It is relative. I already talked about that. And that is, you know, one of the examples that, that I give is uh, I, I teach, I, I'm an adjunct professor in uh, one of the better universities here in Texas. And one day I'm looking at, uh, did you know that there's something called Rate My Professors? Ah, so I never knew that. And my <laughs> rate daughter, My Professors, like RateMyProfessors.com? Yeah, yeah. And so my two daughters are in college now. So they're not a year old anymore. They're in college. One of them is graduating from college next so month. Do but, you have students threatening to give you a bad rating if you don't raise their grade or something? Like, so, I'm going to give you a bad Yelp review, Dr. Solomon. <laughs> well, then you don't want to know what I answered that, but yeah. that's uh, so. Uh, but but I I saw my daughters go to go uh, uh, rate my professors before they choose a class, and I go, do I have a page like this? 
Mm-hmm. And we look it up and I do, and I'm looking at the reviews and one of the reviews I'm looking at says, this is a great professor. You know, he's very engaged, enthusiastic. He really cares about you. And I keep on looking and all of a sudden I see this review that goes, he's self-centered. He only thinks about himself. He's arrogant. He's, and I'm like, well, that talk about a humbling review. But here's the funny part. I'm looking at both these reviews based on the date and the class that they attended. I mean, they're anonymous. I can't tell who they are. These two students sat at the same class at the same time. And by the way, Sky, I never give less than a B in my right. classes. So it can be that somebody got an F or a C or even a B minus. So mm-hmm. it just, we didn't click because trust is relative. You have certain things with some people. They will trust you. You will trust them, but not other people. Well, what's your class on? What are you teaching in that class? Entrepreneurship, how to start a business. Okay. I imagine you just one person you said things that they didn't like or agree with or that insulted them in some way because you know disagreed with with uh with how they had done things in the past or something like that and so then yeah that's the reaction you get and that's that's missed shared values our our values are not as shared as uh, before so i already tell, told you that it is transferable trust is transferable the, the most important thing about those eight laws of trust in general is that this is how trust behaves. You know, we think that trust exists or doesn't exist, but trust actually behaves. And so I'm I'm just going to give you the list of all of them in an acronym that makes it easier to remember. So trust, trust is continuous. It's a C. Contextual, relative, asymmetrical, transferable, reciprocal, dynamic, and two-sided. And to make it easy to remember, the acronym is <laughs> I was going to say, what the hell? This doesn't say anything. It sounds very Russian. <laughs> that would help you. You had me going. I'm writing down the letters and everything. And I'm just like, hey, what can I tell you? It doesn't feed anything. Da. <laughs> means the same damn thing in Israel as it does here. It's yes. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it okay. is a global term. Now, I like that. Okay. You came up, you had all these things and they formed, um, uh, you know, an acronym kind of jokingly uh, or I don't, I can't tell if it's full jokingly or not, but a lot of people make acronyms out of there. Like, oh, here's the five, this and the 10, that and the three, this, and it always spells something related to, and then I always have to go in and look at them and say, well, this word should actually be this, but it wouldn't fit the word they were trying yeah. to create. And it kind of sometimes not always, we just, I think the last episode we had a little uh, thing on this, um, it always kind of, I don't trust the material as much because I feel like it was cooked in order to make the acronym say, you know, fit the subject matter and stuff. So then maybe they're not putting in the right laws for their particular thing because they needed a word to start with a certain letter to fit the, it, it always uh, hurts it a little bit to me. So I like your, and that's, that's what I did too. I mean, I cooked, I chose words that would fit. Yes. Because otherwise it would be, which is different. Yeah. That doesn't even make any sense. That's great. It's like, what, how would it help if I told you that it fits the five M model? Yeah. Do you remember what the five M's are? So you know what? Here is a page. Here, these are the eight laws. Just, just yep. keep that page in front of you. How Mentally, in my mind, it always makes me think. Again, this is cooked. Like, yeah. there's no way this happened to spell out trust. Really, your principles of trust happen to spell out trust as an acronym. Now, I don't trust them. 
anymore. Yeah. So this there, is- yeah, this one, this one just happened. It accidentally yeah. happened to spell kakratorda. It's a good acronym. The perfect word. It's a really good yep. one. That, that's amazing. That's that's mind blowing. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> We're going to have all the info in the show notes, including the acronym. We may even say what it stands for in there. If you can't, I mean, obviously you can remember that it's so, it just fits so perfectly. So profound and so easy to remember. Um, So anything else before we, uh, before we head out here to lead people off with any last uh, bits of wisdom on, on trust, on using developing trust in, in marketing, that kind of stuff you want? So, you know, a couple of things that I want you to keep in mind. I'll just make two of them. One is, you know, in organizations, there's a lot done for personal development, professional development, and we give people skills. Here's the thing. You give them skills. What you do is you make them better. You know, when you take members of team and you teach them new skills, you make them better. When you teach them trust, you make them a better team. And that's very powerful because I can take every individual and and I'm not the perfect person to do that, but but you can take an individual that's operating at 50% and get them to 110%. I can take three individuals that you brought to 110% and make 500% just by putting trust in them. But the last thing that I want you to keep in mind is that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest, the most profound impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Awesome. All right. Well, I don't, I didn't want to say much more because I want to step on that. Um, no, that was <laughs> profound. <laughs> All right. You. Well, um, you can find the show notes more on uh, Yoram Solomon on if you market.com. And uh, we'll also have your website, yoramsolomon.com up there there we go it's on the screen if you're looking at the video and online courses you have at what is it uh, that's right yes the online courses are available at trusted at work trusted at work see we were talking about a word i was having a hard time reading before which was a simple word trusted at work looking at that domain and trying to see what it spells i'm just like word parsing out a bunch of different things overlapping each other so trusted at work.com for uh, for online courses on trust and the show if you market uh, the if you market podcast at if you please share us subscribe like do all those things to help us out and uh, on behalf of Carla Joe Helms and the If You Market team and Dr. Yoram Solomon, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with trust, with trust, they will come. That's right. <laughs> All right. It's <clears throat> great. I had to go to your website right now. Should you find yourself in need of targeted lists for your sales and marketing campaigns? have a look at topdatasearch.com. Our platform lets you quickly and easily search and download lists with email, phone, mailing address, everything you need for your sales and marketing campaigns. So if like many of our clients, you're sick of the high cost, poor data quality, and poor service of your current list provider, go to topdatasearch.com and get a free account, no seat fees, no subscription necessary. You only pay for data when you need it. Use the promo code IFYOUMARKET1000 and get an extra 1,000 free download credits. That's topdatasearch.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.